This is episode number 394 with myself and my handsome husband, Nick Broadhurst. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Guess what, my friends? My third physical book, Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy is out right now. I am so excited and I cannot wait for you to read it. Honestly, I could not be more proud of Comparisonitis. Number one, New York Times best-selling author and social media sensation Jay Shetty said, never before has a book been more needed. Future generations will thank Melissa for shining a spotlight on Comparisonitis. And multiple New York Times bestselling author Gabby Bernstein said, Since Melissa refers to people who have recovered from comparisonitis as unicorns, I suppose that makes this book a sort of unicorn training manual. I'm so grateful that such a manual has arrived. It's been infinitely helpful to me. My hope is that the same holds true for you. If you want to finally free yourself from comparison, fall madly in love with yourself and experience genuine deep happiness like never before, this book is for you. If you want to be a better friend, partner, parent, family member, colleague or human, if you want to experience genuine happiness, have more energy to go after the things that truly matter to you, if you want to free yourself from expectations, unleash your creativity, feel more liberated than you've ever felt before in your life, be free to live your life for you and no one else, feel peace deep from within, truly appreciate your body and your life, experience a radical shift towards authenticity, and unleash the courage to go after your dreams, then head to comparisonitis.com and get your copy and all my awesome extra goodies that I've created for you for free. Not only do you get the book, you will get the official Comparisonitis workbook, a gorgeous Comparisonitis wallpaper for your phone, my ebook, How to Create a Soul Expanding Comparisonitis Book Club, not one, but two of my brand new 8D Zentone Advanced Brainwave Technology Meditations, which will give you one hour of meditation in just 11 minutes plus two never-been-heard-or-released-before interviews with global spiritual thought leaders. Just head to comparisonitis.com and please share the book on social media and tell me your top takeaways. I cannot wait for you to read this book. We have just had Leo, who's my 15-year-old bonus son, with us for a month. And when he's with us, I love fueling his body with as much nutrients as I possibly can. This is why I love Athletic Greens. Now, every morning when he walks out into the kitchen, there's a large glass of room temperature filtered water with his Athletic Greens, which is his daily all-in-one superfood powder in it. He loves it and I love knowing that not only is he starting his day with hydration and green goodness, but that he's getting any vitamins and minerals that he may be missing in his diet. Best of all, he loves the taste, which is so awesome. And just one scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. That all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase your energy and focus, aid with digestion and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products, which is perfect for anyone. Another thing I love about Athletic Greens is they continue to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research, producing 53 iterations over the last decade. They invest in the most absorbable and natural source of each ingredient and go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure that their customers continue to receive the highest quality 
and the best daily nutritional habit on the planet. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system by offering you a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, which means you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D ever again. All you have to do is head to athleticgreens.com forward slash Melissa to get your free year's supply of vitamin D and your five free travel packs today. How awesome is that? It's here, my latest book, Comparisonitis, How to Stop Comparing Yourself to Others and Be Genuinely Happy is out right now in Australia and I am so excited to celebrate with you and have my handsome husband, Nick Broadhurst, on the show with me today to join the party. Now, the US launch is May 11th, so hold tight, all my US friends. It's coming very, very soon. But in the meantime, you can pre-order your copy and get all my epic bonuses at comparisonitis.com. So today we're going to dive right in because there is so much goodness to discuss. But before we do, I need you all to head to comparisonitis.com and grab your copy right now. You get loads of awesome goodies when you do. And once you've read it, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could leave a review on Amazon because that helps more people like you find this book. And just before we dive in, for everything that Nick and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 394. Now, let's get this party started and let's celebrate my latest book, Comparisonitis. Melissa Ambrosini, welcome to the show. To my show. Welcome to your show. (laughs) So before we dive into this incredible, amazing, important new book, Comparisonitis, tell us, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Hmm. I had oats, organic gluten-free oats with wild blueberries, flax and chia ground, maple syrup, and tahini. And it was so delicious. I cannot tell you how good it was. It was amazing. And baby girl loved it. Did she? Mm-hmm. And how do you know she loved it? Did she kick? Because she was just having a party afterwards, a dance party. She does like to have a party when you eat, doesn't she? She loves it. She's like, yeah, mom. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we are currently recording this episode in advance of your book release because, well, it's currently 35 weeks. 35 and a half weeks. 35 and a half weeks. And baby girl is doing all the right things, making all the right noises. You're feeling great. You're looking great. We're watching all those beautiful alien looking slides as she moves her limbs around, which is just never get bored of that, do we? No, it's the best. Her little kicks and elbow slides or whatever she's doing in there. It's so fun. So good. But we've decided to record this in advance because you have drawn some healthy boundaries around your work before you head off into maternity leave. Which is what I talk about in Comparisonitis, which is what this whole episode is about, which is so exciting because Comparisonitis is out today. Oh my gosh. Today. That's huge. Oh my goodness. So we're going to dive into Comparisonitis because it was a book which we both felt was super important to write. And we'll I love the story about how it came to be in the other book that was written and never got published. We'll get to all that. But before we do, let's just talk about how you are, week 35 and a half, you shiny, lovely looking mama. (laughs) How are you feeling? What's the latest in your world? Okay. So yeah, as we record this, it is the middle of March. And like Nick said, we are 35 and a half weeks and I feel so great. I feel definitely bigger now. I feel like for me, most of my pregnancy, people didn't even know I was pregnant. And then when I kind of hit 30 weeks, I started to show and now I'm really showing and I feel like I'm very pregnant now. And 
yeah, I feel awesome. I feel so great. I'm so excited to meet her. She's going to be on the other side soon. She's going to be in there, but out here. And that just blows my mind. And I'm so excited to meet her. And I could cry thinking about the first moment where I look into her eyes. I could just cry thinking about that. But yeah, other than that, I feel really good. And like Nick said, we have set some healthy boundaries, which I talk about in the book. And it's really important that we dive into that because yeah, tomorrow is my last day of work. And then I go on maternity leave, which is so exciting. So I've given myself four weeks before her guest date to really rest, soak up that space. And my intention for those four weeks is lots and lots of white space. So lots of naps, lots of time at the beach, lots of time with my girlfriends, maybe having some lunches and just doing all of the things that bring me so much joy and happiness and light. Because during your pregnancy, ultimately, that's what you should be doing the entire pregnancy because what you feel, your baby feels. But I'm really, really going to hone in on it the next four weeks and just rest and soak it all up and take a step back from recording podcasts and being interviewed on podcasts. This week, I think I interviewed four guests and I was on seven different shows. It's been a huge week. And last week, spent five hours a day recording the audio version of Comparisonitis, which took five days. Did it take five days? I can't remember. And so, yeah, I need a little bit of a break from sitting in front of the microphone. So do you have any feeling as to when you think baby girl is going to arrive? Mm. Like, I know, yes, we're going to, all in good time, it's up to her. I get that. But what do you feel? I have a feeling she'll come before her guest date. I don't know though. Like I really don't know and I don't mind and I keep saying to her, baby girl, you come whenever you're ready. This is your birthday. You come when you're ready. But I don't know. I just feel like because I feel her head so low now and the midwife said this week, you know, her head's quite low and I don't know. I feel like she's fully formed. Oh, she is. Now it's all about putting on fat, a bit of brain development, some lung. Yeah. But honestly, it does not bother me. Unless, because I have to go to Sydney. Oh, yes. We'd like you to be here. Hold off until at least 37 weeks and two days. We have a contingency plan, though, for Nick whilst he's in Sydney. It's only like an hour and 15 minute flight. And during the day, there's flights that kind of go every 30 minutes. It's pretty good. However, if I go into labor in the middle of the night, then there's no flights. But we have a few friends and friends of friends that have planes. And I said, doesn't matter what time it is, what it costs, we'll get you on a plane and we will get you here so that you do not miss it. I would just be devastated if you missed it. I'll be here. I can't wait. I don't know. I feel like, because we're doing a home water birth, which most people will know from listening to this show, but I'm super excited to be in the water, the one delivering. With the snorkel. Midwives will be there, but my our intention is to have me deliver little girl so it's gonna be exciting baby yeah so exciting yeah so healthy boundaries congratulations on that because that's something which for you has been challenging for you to actually switch off ever really i've never switched off from work even on holidays i have never completely switched off from work i have worked since i started working which was what when i was 15 no i finished high school and then I love what I do. I'm a pitta generator, overachieving type A and love work. So one of our besties today, Sally, said to me, oh my gosh, how do you feel? Like this is the first time you're going to step back. And in saying that, guys, like I'll still be sharing things and stuff like that. But And I've got a whole backlog of podcast episodes for you, so don't worry. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the spaciousness. We may even have some special guest, special host interviews if particularly special things pop up and you can't do it. Yeah. You may hear more from me, which could be quite fun. Nikki B might jump in, guys. What do you reckon? What do you think of that? That'd be fun. Whenever I tell people that, they're like, yes, we want to hear from Nick. So if you have any questions or topics you want him to talk about, maybe he can jump in and do some surprise episodes. Maybe we could do an episode, a QA, and a asking me stuff. Could be That's interesting, especially for the men. Yeah. You know, or not for the women. So let's switch gears now to comparisonitis. And which is so exciting! It's here. It's like a birth. It feels like it's been huge. And it's finally here. 
how to stop comparing yourself to others and be genuinely happy. Yes, please. I'd like that. It's definitely a day and age where that's, it literally is a disease. Huge. And I think it'd be fair to say that everyone, to some extent, suffers from that. But especially, I think, the younger women coming through now with Instagram forming or being literally the mirror for them through their entire teen life. I can't imagine being a teenager and having to be on a device, number one, all the time. You don't have to, but... And navigate. And to see your friends posting something and getting more likes and more followers. And I think at that sort of age, you're just super vulnerable. It's very hard to zoom out and take a more metaphysical perspective on that sort of stuff when you're that sort of age. So what I love about this book is it gives very, very practical ways to move through this sort of stuff. But let's talk about how the book came to be because this wasn't supposed to be your next book. No, Nick and I were writing another book together. We wrote. We wrote another book. We got 80,000 words in. And how long had we spent on it, do you think? Four months. I think it was longer than that. Five, six months, I don't know. I thought it was around six months, but anyway, I can't really remember all the days mesh into one. And so we were writing this other book together, which was really powerful without giving too much away because we probably will release it at some point or do something with it. I don't want to give too much away, but it's basically about when two people come together, what you can create in the world, how to optimize your life, how to optimize your business and how to create magic in the world as a partnership. So that was basically the premise of the book. Did you want to add anything? Well, I think we still feel very excited about that book. Yeah. And we're going to release it. And I think that you weren't pregnant at the time when we made the decision to switch to Comparisonitis. But I think I'm really happy that we get to do that book because I think we'll probably rewrite 60 of those 80,000, to be honest, because we're going to be writing it through the lens as parents together. Yes, I have a 15-year-old son. Yes, I have a 15-year-old bonus son. But it's very different when you go through it together. And I think that gives that whole concept or premise a more solid foundation when you are a family. So it's definitely going to come out. It's a really, I, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen a book like it. And we had so much fun writing it. Yeah, and every time we tell people about it and tell them the title and what it's about, they go, oh my gosh, please release that book. It's so good. But anyway, I digress. That book is on pause for the moment. And Comparisonitis was the next book, was my fourth book. One of the reasons why I decided that Comparisonitis was the next book, well, there was a couple of reasons. One of them was it came through really strongly for us. Came through on the toilet. All right. Okay. I'll tell it. Well, I share this story in the book anyway. So basically, I was sitting on the toilet scrolling Instagram, as you do. And this is something that in the book, I do not recommend. Do not do this. <laughs> do not take your phone to the toilet. And especially do not scroll Instagram while you're on the toilet. It's just not good for you. You know, it's just not good for your physical health, your mental health. Do not do this. Anyway, I was doing this at this time and I'm scrolling Instagram, comparing myself to a best-selling author who had just hit the New York Times best-selling list for the millionth time. And my inner mean girl was saying, why aren't your books hitting the list? You're not a good enough writer. Your books will never hit the list. And she went on and on and on. And I sat there feeling really crappy about myself. And anyway, got up, came upstairs to my desk, sat down at my desk, opened my computer, and there was an email from a follower of mine called Kathy. And Kathy sent me this beautiful email saying how much my work had changed her life and inspired her. My podcast had changed her life. My books had changed her life. She does my meditations every day. She'd even been to a couple of my live events and just how much she loved those. And I'd inspired her so much to write her first book. And she was saying, do I have any words of wisdom or advice for first-time authors? She can't stop comparing herself to me. And then it hit me. And that's what she said. She said, I can't stop comparing myself to you. And I want to write best-selling books like you. And I just can't stop comparing myself to you. So can you 
give me some advice on how I can get over that and how I can write a best-selling book like yours. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, oh my goodness, literally in the same moment, Kathy is drafting an email to me, comparing herself to me, and I'm sitting on the toilet comparing myself to a New York Times bestselling author. And most likely they are comparing themselves to someone who's had more New York Times bestsellers or maybe a movie script or something. Exactly. And it dawned on me that we're all just comparing ourselves to everybody else. And it's this vicious cycle and it's incredibly unhealthy. And yes, there are healthy comparisons and I can talk about those too. But a majority of the comparison that we do in today's age is unhealthy and toxic and leads to detrimental health issues. It can lead to depression. It can lead to anxiety, panic attacks, and even suicidal thoughts. And Nick and I lost one of our dear friends a couple of years ago to suicide. And she was very badly bullied from, I think, around 13 years old and compared herself to everyone else. And I just, it really broke my heart. And interesting, we found out later from that person's mother that she compared herself to us and to you mm. a lot, mm-hmm. which we were totally unaware of. Mm. And so it hits people really hard. It's not something we can downplay. And as we bring a little girl into this world, obviously I think we'll have pretty firm guidelines around technology. And by the time she's of age to look at that stuff, I mean, number one, she won't be driving a car. It'd be all autonomous. There'll probably be no social media, probably something else. But it's definitely brought it into sharp focus for us. Luckily, Leo, my son, your bonus son, has never actually had any interest. Not interested. He's 15, doesn't care about social media one bit. Doesn't care doesn't use it, not interested. I know. And I'm, we are just like, thank the Lord that he's not interested in it. But I think just coming back to our friend, knowing that that sort of level of comparison, and there's other things in there as well, but comparison was a huge thing that contributed to the depression and things that happened with her and ultimately led to her taking her life. So it is a serious, serious issue. And of course, we have in Australia, just shocking teenage suicide rates. It is so bad. And this is what one of the reasons what inspired me to write it is because I looked at the data. I looked at the data on the increasing rates of suicide, depression, anxiety, panic attacks. And it's, it is just shocking. It's really shocking. And that's when I knew I have to write this book. So the other book that we were writing, we already had a book deal. It was already locked in. The publishers had signed off on it. We'd signed off on it. We'd had a book deal. And I emailed my publisher and I said, I can't write this book. I've got another one I need to write. And I literally drafted up a proposal, sent it to her and said, I've got to write this book next. And God bless my beautiful publisher, Catherine, trusts me so much. She said, okay, let's do it. So we parked and paused that other book and she allowed me to write Comparisonitis. And it didn't have much time left because I'd spent that time writing the other books. So I wrote it in a couple of months and now it's out, which is so exciting. A couple sounded pretty optimistic, I think. Well, I wrote all of the other ones. <laughs> I think you're just used to that. I wrote Mastering Your Mingle in two weeks and Open Wide in a month. And a book like this with such an important message, I mean, all your books have important messages, but the process of bringing a book to life is huge. Like we had our friend Simon Hill over for dinner the other night, who you may know from the Plant Proof podcast, who's just announced his book, which actually comes out, it was going to be the same day, but it's coming out May 5th, so check that out. But his book, which is The Proof is in the Plants, and how he's still editing and the book covers released, and it's like, like, how are you still editing, you know? And he was marveling at how Melissa managed to, number one, be pregnant and write the book and do a podcast. And run a business. And run a business and everything else we do. And he's just looked at me, he's like, how do you do it? (laughs) So, you know, it is a big deal, but you felt it was super important to get out, which is why, you know, you made it happen. And I want to just talk about influences because, I mean, let's face it, you are a person of influence, right? And funny enough, before this episode, we were actually going through your highlights on your Instagram profile, right? 
And if you look at Instagram in particular, it does have this highlight real culture, right? And we were literally just looking at it and editing and removing things and tweaking things. Talk to us about highlight reels and influencer culture and like what's really going on? Because you speak about it in the book, so obviously check out the book. But what's really going on behind the scenes? Because you're one of those influencers with highlight reels as well, but you're also very real at the same time. Yes. Yeah, so social media gets a whole chapter in the book and then influencer culture gets a whole chapter in the book as well. So it's really important. And the reason being is because social media is one of the biggest areas where we compare. Yes, there are other areas you might compare to your cousin, your sister, your friend. You might compare to celebrities in movies and magazines. But from the research, social media is the biggest trigger for a lot of people to spiral into comparisonitis. So that's why I dedicated a chapter to social media and then a chapter to influencer culture. It's called Influencer Influenza. And let's talk about that because anyone with a social media presence is an influencer. And that's something that we need to remember. We are influencing people on our opinions. No matter what your audience size is. Yeah. Could be one person, could be one million. It's all influence. It's just, you know, variations. Exactly. It's all influence. It's just a different spectrum of influence. Exactly. And so there's a couple of things that I talk about in the book. There are people that are influencers as their full-time job. That's not me. I'm not an full-time influencer, but there are people that are full-time influencers. And we need to remember that that is their job. They get paid to do that. And we forget how inner mean girl, our inner critic wants us to forget and wants us to think that their life is picture perfect, but it's not. Everyone, they're not posting the totality of their day and their life. You physically can't. You can only post these 15 second snippets and these one feed posts. So we need to remember that. And we also need to remember that it is the highlight reel. Social media is the highlight reel. I know we all know that, but raise your hand if you forget it sometimes. Raise your hand if you think, oh, their life looks so perfect or their partner looks so perfect, their relationship looks so perfect or their house is always so perfectly clean or their kids are always well-behaved. I'm sure many of you have had those thoughts before. So in the book, I actually interviewed quite a few of my friends who were influencers and I shared my own perspective from my little stints as an influencer. And the biggest one is remembering that it is the highlight reel. Another thing that I want to encourage everybody to do is remember that we have to zoom out. So what that means is there is so much beyond the frame that we don't see. So say you stumble across a beautiful image of a couple walking in the fields. Give the example. I've heard you speak about this on other shows. The example of you in that beautiful dress in Greece. Yeah, so I share this story in the book when we went to the Greek islands a couple of years ago with Leo and Nick, and it was so beautiful. I had some brand collaborations that I was still working with, so I had to get some influencer shots. And when you're on holidays, you just want to kind of do what you want to do. And Nick and Leo definitely didn't want to be standing around taking photos of me on the cliffs of Santorini or (laughs) Sifnos or wherever we were. So there's this gorgeous image of the Santorini rooftops with the blue Mediterranean and the white and blue colored buildings and me in this gorgeous blue dress. And that image went seriously viral. There was so many comments and so many likes on it. It was amazing to see how much people were inspired by it. And funny enough, in it was a different trip to the Greek islands, but one of those sorts of shots got picked up by the local media and and then we saw you in the paper, remember? That's right. The host of that hotel. Yeah, showed us. was like, oh my God, look, this is you. Yes, in the paper. So funny. And so there's this beautiful image and little did anyone know looking at that image that there's Nick behind the lens, totally over it, totally hangry, just wanting to get out of there, done with taking photos of me and just so over it. Leo, totally over it, hangry, wanting to go explore 
And here I am like, one more photo, one more photo. And he's just like, we're on holidays. Come on, seriously. There's clothes everywhere. People looking at us like, what are these people doing? So beyond the frame, there's so much that we don't see. And we need to remember that these beautiful images, these picture perfect images of the gluten-free chocolate brownie that's perfectly positioned on the marble bench top with flowers and the perfectly clean kitchen. Do they see the the perfect drizzle, the chocolate drizzle? Yes, the perfect chocolate drizzle. And do they see the toddler chucking a tantrum in the background? Do they see the rest of the house an absolute pigsty? Do they see the creator with chocolate all over her white shirt or her white linen? You know what I mean? So there's so much beyond the frame that we're not even seeing and we need to remember that. We don't know. It's not the totality. It's like not everything. So just remember that. We need to zoom out, zoom out of the image. And then the other thing I wanted to say without sharing all of the tips and strategies that I talk about in the book is that a lot of influencers have professional photographers, professional videographers, presets, hair and makeup stylists, loaned wardrobes, lighting equipment. There's so many things, professional microphones. We're lame compared to most influencers. Yes. Sometimes we get our act together, but usually for like a book cover shoot or but we're pretty lame. I mean... Well, I guess that's a good thing. We just do basic. Keep it really simple, but that's okay. And I just want you to remember all of these things because it's not just glossy magazine images that you're seeing. There's more to it. So that's a little bit about the influencer culture that I talk about in the book. So it's really important that we just remember all of these things when it comes to social media. There's heaps of stuff. Looking at a bunch of questions we were sort of looking at talking about. And a lot of it takes people through some of the ideas in the book. And they're all amazing. I've heard you speak about them. I've read the book. Feedback on the book's been extraordinary. I've had Jay Shetty give an amazing endorsement and, and Gabby Bernstein spoke about how it's really helped her. So we know there's heaps of amazing stuff in the book. So definitely today you haven't got it already, grab it. There's some great bonuses on the website for you as well. I just want to actually come in a bit and make this a bit more personal because beyond just seeing what's happening out there and using that as another motivation for writing this book, let's talk about us. Let's talk about our family. Me personally, I've just come off a, I'm coming out of a 30-day juice fast or juice feast as I call it. And you know, my body type, I found myself, despite my best efforts to get enough calories, losing quite a bit of weight. And I was prepared to go through that. But it's interesting how much I found myself comparing myself to other men. So Simon Hill comes over for dinner, he's this great big muscular, (laughs) muscular man. I mean, he's always going to be bigger than me regardless, right? It's all good. You've got completely different body types. Totally. But it's interesting I felt inferior. I really did because I'm not feeling confident in my body because I am a lot smaller than usual. But I was sitting here listening to you talk about it and I was thinking to myself about just my life in general and how even if I'm not 30 days in a juice fast, which is obviously going to change your physique, but even when I'm at my strongest, as you might call it, most muscular, I'm still comparing myself. So if people listening think this is a book for just women, young girls, women, It's not because Simon shared with us at dinner how much it impacted him reading the book. He loved it. Loved it. And he's made some really conscious choices to do certain things on his social media. Like when he first started, it was a lot of him with his shirt off and I don't blame him. It's like freaking Tarzan on North Bondi Rocks. (laughs) But and he stopped doing that because he didn't want to be a part of it. But now switching to you, what's been some of the most challenging parts of comparisonitis you've had to deal with, whether it's as an author, comparing yourself to someone else, which I've seen you do heaps, right? And you do use it as well for inspiration, but a lot of the time it's, it is a bit negative, isn't it? Yeah. But if you had to pick a time in your life that's maybe not in the book, we've really battled comparisonitis. The audience may not have heard, because we've heard Mastering Your Mean Girl, we read that, your time, the whole body 
comparison at the Moulin Rouge and seeing these beautiful women pinching themselves, calling themselves fat, and there's like no fat there. What's another time in your life you've really struggled with this? I think the biggest thing and time in my life was the body image stuff. And there's a whole chapter on body blues, I call it. It's a whole chapter dedicated to body comparison because I think for women especially, well, men too, but we compare ourselves so much and I think it's highlighted even more now with social media and it's so detrimental to our physical and mental health, so detrimental. So that's why I dedicated a whole chapter to it. So I think for me, I can't just skimp over that even though I've spoken about it before in Mastering a Mingle and I speak about it in this book, but body comparison was huge for me. Your time as an actress and a model. Well, that kind of comes back to that too. It's not just body though, because if you see friends. Well, talent. Bigger acting roles. Yes. And they're serving you up small roles on decent shows, but never the lead. How does that feel? Yeah, definitely compared myself in acting, TV presenting, dancing, constantly comparing myself. I don't know if people know this, and I was actually, I don't know if I'd call myself an actor, but I studied acting. And I actually fully was going to try and be like a full triple threat. He even did dance lessons. I did dance lessons. Didn't you try tap class? I did tap, yeah. And <laughs> He's got two left feet. And funk. I wish I was a fly on the wall. I actually did get some small parts here and there. I was terrible. Like really bad. But somehow, you know, it made the cut. But I won't even tell you what they are because you'll look them up. Especially not the commercials. <clears throat> Pizza Hut. <clears throat> <laughs> McDonald's. The Italian chef and the Pizza Hut commercials. What were you, 16? No, I was like 20 when I did the Italian chef thing. Oh, my God. The new range of authentic Italian pizza from Pizza Hut. Is that what you said? Something like that. Oh, my gosh. Google Nick Broadhurst. I've looked and I can't find it, so it. good luck. Yeah. They seem to have a category, like an archive of all Pizza Hut commercials. So well, there's so many. It's out there somewhere. Yeah. And same with McDonald's commercials. I did McDonald's commercials. I did Hungry Jack's commercials. I've tried to find them online and they're... Slaves to that hole. Yeah. Whatever we can get, pay the bills. Yeah. And it wasn't even that good money. No. I remember Pizza Hut was eight and a half thousand Ooh, for a lead. That would have been good back then. That's amazing. It was pretty good for a 20-year-old. Yeah. I think McDonald's was 4,000 back in like, when was that, 1992 or something? No. <laughs> I'm not that old. But the difference being is you actually can act. And I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I think you can find it still. Melissa's Packed the Rafters episodes where she plays this yummy mummy who comes in and completely, actually, funny enough. She's a hippie mom. Is it Rachel Gibson? Rebecca Gibney. Gibney, who's, you know, a well-known Australian actress, and she's fantastic. She's comparing herself to you in that whole, yes. in those episodes. And you were absolutely, when Melissa showed me, or I made her show me, or maybe your dad showed me. I think I have it on a DVD somewhere, maybe at my parents. It's online on Vimeo, I think. Oh, is it? I'm pretty sure. I looked it up once, but anyway, you were freaking amazing. Like, if you weren't an author, and I still, we've actually spoken a lot about this because of my movie production background, doing something where you're the lead and it's a comedy because you're so comedic. It's actually, I was shocked how good you are. So, I mean, if you just zoom back to then, you're clearly talented like that, but you never really, yeah, that was a good sort of, in Australia, that was- Guest role. Solid lead guest role. It was good, you know? And commercials and whatever. But you never really got, oh, you were that love interest in who's the music video? Ronan Keating. Ronan Keating. You loved that, though, didn't you? Yeah, that was so fun. You felt pretty special, didn't you? I did. It was just me and him. Rolling around in bed, weren't you? I think the music video is called Stay. Ronan Keating, Stay. Look it up. We'll link to it in the show notes. If we can find the videos of Pack the Rafters. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I also did some on Home and Away, too. Yeah, some of her modelly photos are freaking hilarious. One looks like she's just walked straight out of Bollywood. It wasn't meant to, but it looked that way. Anyway, the point is that you had talent and you may have seen other people with less talent because trust me, like I see it all the time, people on shows who are far less talented than you, people who knew possibly getting these big roles, like maybe getting flown to LA to host a show or whatever it is, right? How did that feel to your own self-esteem? What role did that play in eating disorders and the things that you've spoken about publicly? Luckily, you didn't have any social media back then. Yeah, definitely no social media back then. But yeah, it definitely did push me to spiral into toxic comparisonitis. It did. There's no doubt that those thoughts didn't creep into my head. My inner mean girl went crazy. 
you're not good enough. Maybe it's because you aren't skinny enough. Maybe you're not talented enough. You need more coaching. Go do more acting classes. You need a dialect coach. You need an accent coach. All the tools that were external tools. Yeah, external. But you didn't have Mastering Your Mean Goal. You hadn't written it yet. No. You didn't have the tools. So you look outside of yourself. Exactly. I didn't have the internal tool. But I think for me, yeah, the biggest was when the eating disorder stuff happened, which was when I was around 20 when I moved to Paris. But yes, I definitely compared when I was acting and doing TV presenting and things like that. Why aren't I getting those jobs? And it was just a ripe breeding ground for my inner mean girl to go ballistic. It's so brutal. And I'm sitting here as well, like reflecting on my own social media. I haven't been on there for a month. I went on there today just to say why I hadn't been on there and share my juice fasting experience, although I didn't upload, funny enough. so No, I saw it. Yeah, but I did a whole bunch more and they just failed for some reason. Wasn't meant to be. No. I don't really ever look at engagement and likes and that sort of stuff. It's not so much so, it's not Instagram for me. It's Spotify because I'm a musician. Yeah, that's your thing. Right? So the numbers that really matter to me are my Spotify numbers. And for a lot of people, my numbers look really good. So there's someone comparing themselves to me for sure. I've seen it. I've had people contact me. How do I get to where you are? And here you are comparing yourself to Coldplay. (laughs) Radiohead. I don't compare myself to bands that big because they're very different, but I compare myself to people of a similar ilk. Yes. Someone like Ryak, so I really just adore his music. And look at what he's achieved as a fellow Australian now living in LA. So how do you move through it? Freeze up and stop writing music. I don't recommend that, guys. It happens though a little bit. I mean, I'm guilty of it. The only way to move through it is to create art that I am really proud of. And I still feel like I'm nowhere near creating my full potential yet. But I'm excited because this maternity leave is also a paternity leave. I'm I'm going to be doing a bit more than you, of course, and handling some stuff. But this paternity leave for me is actually a musical leave. And baby leave. Correct, which is really exciting. I also am writing my novel which is about half written at the moment, about 30,000 of 60,000 words, which is really exciting. You'll hear more about that. Fiction novel, love, sex, music, spiritual stuff. So cool. I'm super guilty of it. Hey, like I look at my Spotify numbers and I'm always working at ways to, you know, get them up or it actually hurts because you create art and it feels beautiful and Spotify, for whatever reason, may not pick up one of your songs and then they'll pick up another one and maybe like the one more that they didn't pick up. It just plays games. It really screws with your head. So you need my ACES technique, babe. Tell us your ACES technique. Have you spoken You've about read one? the book. Don't you remember? There's a lot of things in there I reckon I could ask you that you've forgotten about. <laughs> it does feel like I wrote it a really long time ago now because, yeah, you have to hand it in and then... Rather than go through ACES technique... It's in the book. Go and grab it in the book. It's actually, I do know the ACES technique. Just jumping in to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Paleo Valley. Now, I love companies that are doing great things to help others become healthier and happier like Paleo Valley. For me personally, I love their organic super greens and I love adding it to my smoothies so that I know that I'm getting even more goodness every single day. It's kind of like an insurance policy for me, which is why I love it. Now, Paleo Valley and I both believe that everything you put into your body is an opportunity to either detract from your health or improve it. And now is the time to make your health a priority. Use the code MELISSA at the checkout to get 15% off anything in the store. Now, let's get back to this conversation. I want to flip it back to you again and just ask you about your daughter. Okay. Our daughter. Our daughter. So feels like your daughter until she's born, you know, because it's in you. <laughs> she's in you. But let's say baby girl is 15 and Instagram is still around and you see her one afternoon really upset about something. Shares with you that it's about so-and-so on Instagram did this or whatever. And you can really see her suffering, maybe from body image troubles or something like that. What would you say to her? I'm so glad you asked me this because the last chapter of the book, it's titled CPR, Conscious Parenting Remedies, because we need to equip ourselves with the tools and techniques so that we can help 
our future generations not suffer the way that we have from comparisonitis. And the best way that we can do that is through embodiment. So if we don't want our children to suffer from comparisonitis, we ourselves have to not compare ourselves in front of them because they know what we're doing. They know every time we look at someone else's Instagram and we compare ourselves, even if we don't say something, they know. And I want to share a story with you because this is really important. I share this story in the book. One of my girlfriends, she has a 13-year-old daughter. So one day, her daughter was in her little crop top and undies and just got out of the shower, walked into her mum's room and she said, mum, and she's pinching her belly, mum, am I fat? And her mum was like, darling, what? No, why would you even say that? You're not fat, you're beautiful, you're perfect. And she said, well, every time you are looking at Instagram, you're always commenting on how this person bounced back after pregnancy and every time you walk past the mirror, you go, oh, and roll your eyes and pinch your belly fat. And everyone says, I look like you, so surely I must be fat too. My friend, her jaw hit the floor, her heart sank, and she thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? She had picked up all of that from her behavior, and she felt so bad and so guilty, and she thought, I've got to work on this. I've got to fix this. She's 13. She's only got a few more years before she's out the door. And she made a really conscious effort to up her self-love and look at her body every time in the mirror and say compliments to it. I love you and thank you. And as a result, the daughter started to do the same, which was really beautiful. So if we want to help our children and future-proof them from comparisonitis, first and foremost, we need to embody it. We need to embody radical self-love and overflowing self-worth. That is the best way that our children will learn body confidence, self-confidence, and not feel the need to compare themselves to anyone else. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm also thinking about your pregnancy journey. And a common thing that kept happening was people coming up and offering rather unsolicited commentary on the size of your belly. And we've got multiple of your besties around you having babies. One actually last night, which is amazing. How did that make you feel? And did that spin you into comparisonitis when people were saying you look small and you're looking at friends' bellies? And did that bring up concerns? Is my baby small? Is everything okay? Am I progressing normally? Like what happened for you through that? Definitely. So many people would come up to me and they'd say, how far along are you? And I'd tell them and they'd tap my belly and they're like, oh, geez, you're small. Oh, my, oh, geez. Yeah, oh, really wow. Oh, oh, really? Oh. And after a while, the first couple of times I was like, whatever. And then after a while, I was like, okay, seriously. Then I went to my midwife and I actually started measuring my belly. And each week I'd measure my belly on the same day and it wasn't getting bigger. And I thought, oh, no. Is something wrong? This is before you could you could feel kicks and stuff too, wasn't it? Yeah. Is the baby? Yeah. Is the baby growing? Is everything okay? And my midwife said to me <laughs> when I called her, I said, "Can I have a quick chat to you?" And she called me, and I said, "This is what's happening." And people keep telling me that I'm really small, so I started measuring. I only did it for three weeks, and I started measuring, and it's the same each week. Should I be concerned? And she said, "Melissa, put the effing." Tape measure away. She didn't say effing. She actually said. To drop the bomb. She dropped the bomb. Put it away. And she said, you can't compare yourself to anyone else or the size of their belly. You are you. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I had just slid into that comparisonitis. And thank goodness, it wasn't toxic. Like I wasn't going round and round in my head. It was more just, oh, should I be concerned? And I'm going to have a conversation with my midwife about it. And then literally I put the measuring tape away after that and I let it go completely. I was like, I'm on my own journey. This is my body. I am me. This is me. And my babes is perfect size for me. And every midwife session they go and they say she's growing beautifully. And Yeah, they say she's very healthy. Yeah. And she's thriving. Everyone's got a different body shape. And everyone's going to carry differently. Some people are going to be more round. Some people are going to be more pointy. It's so unique. So yeah, I definitely slid into that a little bit there, but was able to quickly pull myself out. And what about the birth 
itself because you're doing a home water birth, which is super exciting. I cannot wait for it. The minute you go into any sort of sign that labor's coming, I'm just going to be so freaking excited. Let's have a dance party. Oh, yeah, because like we've spoken a lot about the first half up until what active labor, like really just enjoying lying on the couch and watching dancing. film and dancing. We might do some cooking. We might make like a chocolate cake. We're going to make a birthday cake for her. Yeah. We're going to make a birthday cake. I don't do chocolate anymore, so. Well, I'll eat it all. And the midwives. You can make a carrot cake. He makes a really yummy vegan carrot cake with like a cashew icing. It's so good. So maybe we can make that. Oh, coconut frosting. It's so good. So yeah, like in those early stages, we're going to have a dance party. We might watch a funny movie. We might go for a walk. We might do some baking, some fun things like that. So as I said before, you've been surrounded by these women having amazing home births. Sure. Three hours, four hours, five hours. Oh, one of my friends had an hour and a half free birth. Free birth. Yeah. Just her and her partner. Does it creep in there with the birth itself, do you think? Could that impact? It's know, inspired why, me. Why am I going so long? Or Well, I don't know because I'm not there, but it's inspired me. Hearing all of those stories, they're all expanders for me and show me what's possible. And I talk about this in the book. You can use comparison to either spiral down into comparisonitis or you can use it as inspiration and motivation. Upward comparisons. Upward. Yeah, that's the thing. For example, like say you're running on the treadmill at the gym and someone jumps on the treadmill next to you, same size, same gender, same age, and they start sprinting in a higher incline and you're kind of cruising and you look at them and you think, oh, maybe I could go a bit faster or a bit higher. And then you put your incline on and you go a bit faster and then after your 20-minute run, you get off and you feel super proud of yourself. You're like, wow, you use that as inspiration and motivation. Same with you and your music. You use these incredible artists as your inspiration and motivation. And same with me, with these other New York Times bestselling authors and these number one podcasters. It inspires me. I can use it as fuel for inspiration and motivation. But what most people do is they use it and spiral into toxic comparisonitis, which is not what we want. We want to use it as inspiration and motivation to unlock something within us and be a better version of ourselves. Well said. So in the book, you speak about the 10 most common symptoms of comparisonitis, which are, number one, linking your self-worth to things outside of yourself. Number two, toxic self-talk. Three, feeling stuck. Four, hot bubbling emotions. Yeah, I get that. Five, feeling behind. Yep, I get that. Six, competition culture. Seven, extreme self-consciousness. Eight, social media overkill. Nine, an attitude of ungratitude. And 10, just general unhappiness. If you had to pick one, comes up the most for you, what would it be? It used to be that feeling of behind. People getting married or having babies. Yeah, I met you when I was 27 and all my school friends were married by then and onto their second kid, they're now onto their third kid. And so there was that external societal, you should be married by now, Melissa, and have your first baby and have a house. So there was a little bit of that that came up. And for babies too, because even into our marriage, like there was suggestions from people around us, like, oh, when are you having a baby? And it was actually quite consistent that we get that feedback. Only one particular person. Okay, yeah, one. But still, it's it's pretty freaking annoying. Yeah. It is annoying. It is annoying because it's like, just mind your own business. That used to be a big one for me. And then I think a little bit in business when there's people that are hitting the New York Times bestseller list multiple times and having their podcast hit the number one list on iTunes and or hitting number one on iTunes. You've done that. I know, but they do it consistently. And then having millions of downloads per episode. So there is a little bit of that. Competition culture. But it does inspire me. But not always in the moment. Like there are times where it's not inspiring, but you do manage to flip it, I think. Yes, because I have the tools and the techniques Mm. that I talk about in the book. But in the past, I would have probably spiraled into toxic comparisonitis and hung out there for weeks, days, or even months. But now I am able to flip it very quickly and use it as inspiration and fuel. So that is super 
super exciting and fun. It's been really nice chatting to you because I get to ask questions that as a husband I might not actually ask, but I've really made a conscious effort to drill down into some more private, more personal moments for you because that's why one of the big reasons the book was written because you've been through it yourself. You know, I just wanted to say I'm so proud of you. It is such a good book, really good book. And how good's the cover? Holy crap, it's smoking. Thank you, babe. Sahara said I look like fruit. She's like, I look at that cover and I just think fruit. You were getting a lot of nausea around that time. Yeah, I was pregnant on that cover, that whole cover shoot and the whole website shoot. I was pregnant. So I was in nausea land at that time, but managed to do an entire photo shoot all day. Yeah, you did well. Melissa, what's bringing you the most joy right now? Seeing my friends pop out their babies in such inspiring ways, in two-hour, three-hour, an hour-and-a-half expansive home water births where the baby's still in the sack. And, oh, my gosh, just so inspiring. That's bringing me a lot of joy. And also thinking about our baby girl being on this side of my belly soon, which will be awesome. Yeah, so by the time you hear this episode, very likely – she should be in this Bedside. world. Yeah. Oh Who my knows? God. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Who knows? You never know. A couple of weeks, three weeks over the guest date. She may be. Who knows? Might still be cooking. You decide, baby girl. What's the one thing you're wanting to really work on to, I guess, what just work on within yourself? Because it's so exciting, there can be a lot of future living and future tripping. So just being present. Hmm. I think just being in the moment as much as possible and not getting too ahead of myself, but yeah, and just soaking up these last couple of weeks with just you and I. Yeah. Because it's all going to be different. No different. We're no longer going to be just you and I. It's been just you and I for seven and a half years, I think. Mm-hmm. When do we hit eight years? November. November. Okay. So yeah, seven and a bit years. It's been just you and I and, and Leo, of course, but we don't have Leo full time. We've been pretending to be parents. Yeah, we're parents half the time. Yeah. And then we go back to just you and I. Yeah, full-timers. Yeah, now we're going to be full-timers, so it's exciting. So I'm just going to be soaking that up. I'm really excited to take the attention off myself. Me too. And to really be of service to you and baby girl and hold space for you and be your protector and… Gatekeeper. Make you yummy foods and… Oh, so lucky. I have so much time to cook. It's so exciting. Now, I know your audience love, love to hear things like how your day looks. And, you know, you're now well into your third trimester. So things do change. Talk us through a day for you waking up. What are you eating? Talk us through all that. Well, it's so different now. So different. And it will change again and again and again and again. So I wake up naturally when my body wants to wake up. And sometimes that's 3.30 a.m. The baby girl just wants me up then. And sometimes, like this morning, I slept until, what was it, six? That's, I mean, I can't remember the last time you did that. No. Literally cannot remember. No, six for me is like a sleep in. So I was up before you, five o'clock. And so, gosh, it's just so different. I used to sleep, Nick and I have been joking, I could qualify for the sleep Olympics and I'm like not even in the running anymore. No, she fully just bowed out at the first heat. Yeah, I'm not even... Don't think you even got to the first heat. No, I didn't even get into the first heat. Like school carnival. Yeah. So I'm getting up to go to the bathroom two times a night and then I'm waking up quite early. I do go to bed early, but yeah, waking up early. So sometimes it's 3.30 and then, yeah, usually around 4.35-ish and I will go into the bathroom, sneak into the bathroom whilst Nick is asleep and brush my teeth and tongue scrape and go to the bathroom, do all of that. Then I come out and I make myself a liter of hydrogen water and I drink that and I meditate for 20 minutes, which I love and do my gratitudes and things like that. And usually I would do a little bit of prenatal yoga, which I haven't been doing because I've had a little bit of Sacral iliac. Yeah, joint pain. And my osteo said it's because your hips are starting to slowly open. So I just wanted to experiment this week with not doing yoga and to see how my body felt. So I didn't do yoga this week. Kind of nice, just doing nothing, right? Yeah, it was really nice, actually, to just not do that. But I still did my medi. And then I would actually 
come and do some work. And I would try and do all of my work before Nick even woke up. And sometimes I would make my breakfast and wait until Nick woke up. And then I'd jump back in bed with him and we'd do our gratitudes and sit in bed. And then I've been trying to just do all of my work. I've been working a lot. And that's because I know that it's finite. Yeah. Comes to an end. Yeah. I'm going to on maternity leave. So I've been doing lots of that. And then having lunch, going to the beach a bit, usually coming back and working in the afternoon, which I didn't used to do. And then meditating and having dinner and usually falling asleep on the couch at about six o'clock every night. How has your diet changed in this third trimester? I've noticed you're eating more frequently, more. Way more frequently and eating a lot more in the third trimester. A lot of fruit snacks too. Yeah. So I'm having breakfast, morning tea, lunch, afternoon tea, dinner. And then sometimes, not often, probably done it a handful of times, having to wake up in the night and have a snack because being just so hungry. So I'm eating way more. I used to do a lot of fasting. I could fast till lunchtime. Now not doing any of that. So eating a lot more and just it's fun. So fun eating yummy healthy foods. It's delicious. Mm. So yeah, eating a lot more and sleeping a lot more, having more naps. I never have napped before in my life, but napping and going to bed super early and eating lots of yummy food and trying to spend as much time in nature as possible, doing little beach walks. But Nick and I are going to commit to more walking as soon as we go on baby leave. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Well, one thing you always ask your guests is how can the audience and you serve you? And I'm just going to actually interject and say, I know how they can serve you. Grab yourself a copy of Comparison Artists. Because it's a real gift. And if you've got it already, please grab it for someone else. Give it to a young mother who may be in need or a teenage daughter or a husband, whoever it is, someone 100% in your life is going to benefit from this massively. And I know that you are, you're a pretty harsh critic of your own work. Like I've witnessed that, you know, and you often think, are my books even that good, you know? Even though they're all bestsellers. Yeah, and you do compare yourself to other people. But, I mean, I'll just echo back and mirror back and say that your books are freaking amazing. All of them. Comparisonitis is so timely. The title is so freaking good. So good. Comparisonitis.com. So glad we got that one. Please do go and head to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Booktopia, wherever you get books from. Grab yourself a copy on Kindle or hard copy. And sink into this amazing book because you're going to get so much out of it, no matter who you are. Even, you know, Simon Hill, successful, good looking, ripped, got a book coming out. Male. Massive social media following, you know, abundant comparisonitis. It's there for all of us. And I really encourage you guys to check this book out. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And do you know what I would love? is for you to come and tell me what you got out of it on Instagram DMs. DM me or share it on a story and come and tell me what you got out of it. Share it because you're not going to be in your DMs. No, he's going to confiscate my phone. I'm literally, she's banned from DMs. Or you could leave a review on Amazon. That would mean the absolute world to me if you've read it. Reviews are huge. Reviews are so big. They're so important. Same with podcast reviews, Amazon reviews. I know how important they are, which is why I go and leave my friends reviews and even any book that I read that I love. So please leave a review. I would love that so much. It would just mean the absolute world to me. And yeah, tell me in the review what you got out of it. I would love to hear. And I just, like Nick said, grab this book, buy it for your friends and family and start a book club. I've got lots of women already who want to start book clubs where they're going to go through each chapter. They've done that with all of my other books, so they're going to do it again. And yeah, it's just so powerful. This information is so powerful and I'm so excited for it to get into everyone's hands and just want to thank anyone who's already pre-ordered it or already got it. And I cannot wait to hear what you get from it. And I've already loved seeing some people posting about it. So please post an image of you with the book. I would love that so much. Yeah, we'll do our best to reshare any images of yourself on stories or even actually in feed as well. Please do share because that's probably the easiest way we can connect with you while Melissa's on maternity leave is to reshare things. So 
yeah, show you a picture of yourself with the book and any thoughts you had on it. Melissa, thank you for being on your show. And thank you for letting me host again, trusting me with your audience. You may be hearing more from me. We'll see. Maybe not. I would welcome it. I love doing podcasts. Oh, you're welcome anytime. You're the most requested guest, babes. Oh, that's nice. I should do my own podcast one day. Oh, I've got one. That's right. And yeah, congratulations again. Thank you, guys. Please go and get it. And I'm sending you so much love. And I absolutely love and adore you all so much. Ciao. Don't forget to head to comparisonitis.com to get your copy of my latest book and all the free goodies that go with it. I cannot wait for you to read it and to hear what you think. I always love having Nick on the show. It is so much fun and I'm so glad that he got to come and celebrate the launch of Comparisonitis with me and you today. So I want to encourage you to all go and grab your copy right now, comparisonitis.com. And let me know what you think once you're done. Please leave a review on Amazon. It would mean the absolute world to me. Once you have read it, to leave me a review, please, please, please go and do that. If you prefer to listen to books, it is on Audible and I read it, which is super exciting. So come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got out of the book once you're done and share a screenshot or a post about it and I will reshare it. I am so excited for this book to get into your hands. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here and celebrating with me today. I am so grateful and I want to honor you for just taking this time for you to be the healthiest, the best and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. By purchasing this book, you are showing up for yourself. You want to be the best version of yourself. So I honor you for that. And now if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode or the book, you can buy them a copy. That would just be so beautiful of you and gift that to them. And share this episode. Share it far and wide. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy. Healthy is liberating and wealthy isn't a dirty word.